Hello again, Earthlings. Welcome back to Odd Man In. This is a groundbreaking episode because it is our first interview episode in a podcast I designed to be interview-based. So we finally got that going for us, which is finally nice. I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine today, Mark Combs. Mark viewed the pilot, along with a bunch of other people, as a favor to me to give critiques and feedback. And the cool thing about it is, is that after viewing it, he had a story that fit the topic and the subject matter that we're going for and volunteered to be a guest. So the pilot did, in fact, generate this interview, which is what it was designed to do. So it worked. Now we're public, and I can't wait to hear from more of you odd men and women, whether I know you or not. In fact, I'd prefer I don't know you. No offense to my friends. Mark's story is a little like mine. You remember my story from small town Minnesota. Good life, good family, but very few prospects. Very little opportunity. Nothing but a dream. Mark had a dream, too. You'll hear about it in the interview. I think you'll find it pretty amusing. Not an uncommon dream at all. But along his journey, there were successes and failures, you know, and they all worked together. The focal point of the whole story is a fixation he had on something that he dove into to work with a project he was trying to get done for his business, and the project ultimately failed. His business partner told him he was wasting his time, and as it turned out, it felt like that when it was all said and done, but the knowledge he gained became an opportunity later, and you're going to hear about how all of that stuff built up to create something bigger than he could have ever imagined. Mark's interview was nearly 45 minutes long, so you'll notice some cuts and splices and things along the way, especially if you're watching the video version. Another thing I can do to stay within that target time is shut the fuck up and let you hear the interview. So let's do that now, guys. This is Mark Combs, our very first odd man in the house. Went to Wofford College, and then I hurt my knee after, and I had a really good freshman year. It was interesting, I was always 17 when I showed up to camp. Okay. Played that first year and uh, played a lot that very first year and then I hurt my knee. It's the first time it had ever dawned on me that I wouldn't play pro football. Never even crossed my mind. So, you know, then I said, well, you know, now what are you going to do? <laughs> because you're not, and, uh, and right. I continued to play, but it was obvious that I wasn't going to play pro football. Lost a step. Exactly. A little bit. And, uh, and so I, I moved on. I knew some guys who were working in the insurance industry. I, I got into that and have worked my way into doing lots of different things in that industry. Um, five kids, wonderful wife. Um, Divorced and remarried is probably the biggest, never in a million years would I have said that was even a possibility for me. Yep. My dad was married six times. My, my mom was number six. She didn't even know until after they were married. Folks, just for the record, this is an example of how a good friend of yours can tell you shit about his life that you didn't even know, even though you've known him for like 12 years. Um, so football player turned, I'm going to be in an office. Yeah, I just, I knew, talk about, you would say dreams, and because I had thought, like, what was, I was just going to make a lot of money. That really, it was that simple. I, that's what I really wanted to do. And, um, and so, and Rare I, dream. <laughs> right. I mean, that was, <laughs> and, and my dad was a, a business guy, and that was the only thing I was ever exposed to. And so, like, when other, like, my dad never threw the football with me, ever. Never once. And he yeah. hustled. He was one of 16 kids. 15 brothers and sisters to grow up on the side of a mountain in Kentucky. Every one of his names started with an M too. You can't make that up. Wow. And no Michaels. <laughs> Mary, Moss, Marcy, Maddie, Maudie, Mavis, Mabel, Margaret. Was there a Matthew? Uh, no Matthew. Manford, Mansus, Millard, Moses, Marcus, Marlon. I lost count, but that's impressive. My Millie, friend. Monroe. That's my grandparents. Both of them were M's also. Okay. And, but, and miraculously... 
Marcus Monroe. <laughs> yeah, Marcus Monroe. That's called alliteration, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But uh, he hitchhiked out of the out of the mountains of Kentucky, what far eastern Kentucky, when he was seventeen. Okay, and uh, and worked his way, and and he just hustled. And he not, I think he formal education through maybe eighth grade or something like that. Okay, but um, it's interesting. Like all those siblings ended up being successful. Like every single one of them, they worked hard. They were very generous. This is one of the coolest stories I just learned from his sister. There's still one aunt that's still living. Okay. And uh, I just heard it not too long ago. I was talking to her and she said, we always had to work so hard in uh, the summertime. And she said, I remember telling um, mommy one time, I said, mommy, why, how come we have to work so hard? Like we have plenty of food. Like how come? And she said, well, baby, there's a lot of people that don't work hard. And this winter, they're going to come to us and aren't going to have any food, and we want to send them away empty-handed. Wow. I was like, God, that is incredible as a, as a heritage that I had. I didn't even know. I wish I had a heritage. Yes, Earthlings, it is possible for me to interrupt people other than myself. You know, it's interesting. Even as we're sitting here talking, I hadn't kind of connected one piece, is that my dad died when, right after I graduated, before I went to work, um, he We'd always go to his family's for, for Christmas and everything. And I saw dad make and lose a million dollars three different times as a kid. He would wow. go from being, now, a million dollars in the 80s was a lot Yeah, that's money. that's different money. That's a lot that, of money. Yeah, a million is a billion right. almost. There'd be, I, mean, I remember at times he'd have $50,000 in cash and briefcase just at the house, just cause. He, six marriages, all this stuff. And my dad ended up being, he and I ended up being real close. And um, he had said a few months prior, he was, I'm dying. Mm. He was only 59. Okay. And so no we were riding down the road. This was maybe a month or two before he died. And he said, you want to know my biggest regret in life? I said, oh boy. <laughs> that, uh, you no. got a lot of material. You got a lot of material. He said, my biggest regret in life was that God gave me all that money. I never did anything for anybody other than me. Hmm. And he's like, don't ever do that. Don't, don't ever make that. It's interesting. I never kind of connected that same like sort of that lesson that he didn't take from his parents. Right. So so your your grandma had the got to work hard to feed the people who aren't working hard right. giving mentality, but the work ethic is what got passed along and then every individual person is responsible for themselves. Right? Right. I mean that's at the end of the day, you got to take what you've learned and then you apply it to your own life with your own yeah. grid, your own set of value systems and that's what your dad was doing. Last part of my story too is okay. kind of going from being a multimillionaire to skimming the edge of, I promise you, it's you cannot imagine how painful it is because you think that that's something that that you don't have to revisit again. It's yeah. way more painful than never getting there. Imagine being like in the best shape of your life and then becoming just terribly unfit because you sat I've around. That. It hurts a lot worse. Than if you were never in that great shape in the That's first place. That's a great place. metaphor. That's a great metaphor. I talked to my son about that right now. Mm-hmm. Literally, we talk about he he talks about how his body hates him when he has not been to the gym mm-hmm. in three days. And I said, never lose that. Let it bother you mm-hmm. because that's what motivates you to keep going and don't ever don't ever fall out of that. What's happening? whatever work and effort it took to get there or whatever laziness it took to get there, that's the most likely thing to continue unless you change something. Yeah. Note to self, spend more time with hands above level of desk. You know, there's, there's something that you can go look up and because most people don't believe this. Most people 
when they retire, if they don't come up with a plan, do you know what their lifespan is? Their life expectancy. Without a plan, mm-hmm. I want to. I want to know. Twenty-four months after retirement. After retirement. Wow. Think about it. From the very moment when you were a little boy, come on, Matthew. Come on, buddy. We got to go. You got to be here on time. Be here on time. Yeah. Work. Be here on time. Be here. And then it stops. And there's no accountability. There's no nothing. And you go home and you die. That's what happens. Unless you reinvent yourself. It. Had a good friend of mine that um, was a fraternity brother. Got killed in a car accident. And I was just like, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And so I quit. And so I retired. I went, took a couple of years off. And it seemed great for a little while and it didn't take long before that was the worst physical health, mental health. And I would wake up and I would walk and I would read and I would study and guess what everyone else is doing? Sudoku. Come on guys. Not all humor has to be vulgar. Working. Right. Working. Oh, I'm not a very good guesser. And what was I doing? Not very challenging. Way more, ch- seems very like, oh God, romantic and everything for a couple weeks. Then you're going to be figuring out something to do, or you're going to drive yourself crazy, depending upon your personality. There's a show I'm watching right now with my wife uh, called Peaky Blinders, and, and yeah, I won't see you've seen yeah. it. I, I won't go into it much, but there's a, there's a time at which the, the, the lead, the, 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 the boss of the family, Tommy, accomplishes more or less everything they supposedly say he's supposed to accomplish and they tell him to go on vacation. He goes insane. Yeah, exactly. He literally goes insane in his mind. And that's a dramatic representation of the same principle you're talking about where when you're used to doing, doing, doing what's next, what's next, what's next. When you stop, you're, you lose something. Yes. You lose something tangible inside you. And most people go, well, I'd like to try, I'd like to try to figure it out. I'd like to experience it. Yeah, okay. Until you have. And then it's a little yeah, bit like being at the gym every day or, or, or three times a week and then not going for a month. How do you feel? Well, you feel like shit. Yeah. I mean, the thing <laughs> I learned is find something that you can do for forever. Sure. In the way that you do it. I had to create it. But... Um, so let's talk about that. That's a great segue. Let's get into the, what was the thing that happened in your life that created the opportunity that now has become what turned out to be the gateway to the success that you're currently enjoying. This other product that I tried to work on to automate some of my business, pretty technical, but it involved hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of working in Excel. And my business partner thought I was crazy. And why are you spending all the time doing this? Your time could be, you could be delivering more value doing it. And I just ignored everybody and I just continued to do it. And it failed too. That was the end of everything up to that point I had ever tried worked. Yeah. And then that was the end of that. Everything I touched did not work. Everything I touched. And so I don't care how much money you have. If you can't make a right decision, you start to run out of money pretty fast. (laughs) And uh, my life circumstances did not help me. Yeah. And, um, And so it started to get to where it was tight. I tried to, you know, tried some different things, and then the Affordable Care Act. There was some specific industry-specific reporting that had to be done that I looked into, and I thought, okay, I know enough about Excel that I can do this. And and am I right though in investing time and energy into the 
the the program of Excel. Yeah, it sounds crazy. Yeah, yeah, it sounds insane for a completely unrelated reason. Totally unrelated. And 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 then what happened? We got lucky. We bought a website called ACA Reporting Service that started to trend on Google, and then it hit number one for ton of search terms and people started calling and we would lead them through and everything and they would say how do we get started i promise you we we still joke and laugh about it we say step number one is the most important that's when you send us a check <laughs> we'd say that every time and the checks flew in we took the money and then we built the software but the very first year we did seven hundred and fifty thousand of these tax forms in excel here's the whole thing if we can't sell it it doesn't matter trust me so we started selling and we didn't even have it because, now I wasn't lying to people, we did have the ability to do it, but not in some fancy software and not all the rest. We had plenty of time to do it, and we would start to roll it out. We were the only one in the country yeah. talking about it. And from all those past experiences and all those things that you had already done, you had the know-how. Correct. Correct. Which a lot of times is 90%. Right. It was yeah. unbelievable. You couldn't even imagine. It's not like anything you would have ever. It'd be like local software. You were downloading it. You were doing the stuff on your computer, and then, whew, right there's the stuff. Right. And 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 for everybody listening right now, do you understand that I don't understand what he's saying either? That's supposed to be funny. But here's the point. The point is, is that Mark didn't understand what he was saying when he started teaching himself Excel. I didn't know any of it. He 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 did this for a completely different reason. For, with a completely different motivation, having no thought in no your clue. mind, right? No of, clue. Of, of the fact that that would come back around at some later point and become useful to you in right. a way that, that you couldn't possibly understand. You might have thought, you know, oh, I just invested all this time and energy in learning Excel and it sure. failed. Well, shit. I guess, I guess that was a waste. Yeah, it's kind of right? like a lot of the education, because people ask, I have all these professional designations and everything. People say, well, what do you do with that? And I'll, I say, well, did you go, did you go third grade? What'd you learn? You don't know. You don't I know. Couldn't, couldn't tell you. Only thing you know is you went to fourth. It's the only thing that you need to know. Right. It's the only thing that matters. Right. Is that you just continue to progress forward. Right. And most people stop. Whatever it is, you know, whether it's any type of education, got to remain curious. You got to continue to push the things that go in, in your brain. If nothing new goes in, you right. are where you are. Right. And the world's going to change around you. Right. I, I, my kids right now are, are both in the same chemistry class. They're a year apart in school, but they're, they're in the same class based on how everything fell out with their schedules. And they're both struggling horribly because they've got, they've got some mediocre teachers, but they also don't have a grid for the subject. And the 16-year-old the, the response to that is, why do I even have to learn this? When am I going to be balancing a chemical equation later? And I try to say, you're not going to be balancing a chemical equation later. At least we hope not for the sake of all chemistry ever. Laugh with me, kids. But your mind is learning to think in ways that you're going to build on. That, Correct. that something else is going, to, is going to become important down the road. Good God, did you get the damage, Milo? I hope so. Now come apologize to Mark. That, that if you didn't know how to do this now, you wouldn't understand that later. Right. And one thing leads to another. And if you look yes. at life that way... Then a failure doesn't even have to feel like a failure, even though it does sometimes. Oh God, yeah, it does. You know, it's still I painful. we can all speak to that. You know, Mark and I, we can all, we can both speak to that. You know, currently in my life, I can talk about that kind of thing, and and, and you've got past experiences that teach us the same thing. But it's the bounce back. 
it's right. the it, it's the it's the bounce back and it's the don't stop moving that yeah, you're exactly. talking about, which I think is amazing. Yeah, you don't know this, but uh, the last episode of this podcast I did on the topic of momentum and the idea that as easy as it is to get stagnant and get stuck doing nothing, and as hard as it, as hard as it is to gain momentum. It's also hard to lose momentum once you get it going because it's right. one of the it's the, the the push in the flywheel analogy right. of the tiny little pushes don't seem to do much but once it gets going all it takes is a little bit and a little bit to keep yeah. it going and it's that work ethic yeah and so then we created this company and it's worth a lot of money yeah so here's the now win so mm-hmm. so so now the result is well yeah, or, then or stop there you know and yeah. then you know you then comes 2016 and I don't know if you remember this but there was an election that year. Huh. And um vaguely. That's it was the, that's the year I quit social media. Right. <laughs> and the uh the person who was elected, um whoever the, that was. The very first thing <laughs> they did, the main thing that they were going to do is get rid of this law that that entire business was built upon. And I started to try and create cuz now we had learned a little bit about software, was trying to create that Excel thing that all the way back um which you know, some competitors spent $20 million trying to figure out what we spent $125,000 and figured out and um, made it a little bit. So anyhow, there's, you know, it was this constant process. But then once you got momentum, now you start looking like a genius. And, you know, you, you oh, well, you can't. There's that word again. You know, you, you look at things that are occurring and then you continue to push. Even like right now, my newest project, as of literally this week, came from me having a terrible time in the court system and family court system and seeing how slow things run and really me not taking no for an answer. Like why, why does it take three and a half years for one case? Like doesn't make any sense. Right. And you know, there's kids, there's other people that are suffering through different things. You find out there's plenty of judges, there's plenty of courtrooms. There's not enough people to transcribe court cases. It all comes back to one bottleneck. But it does turn out that through software and through artificial intelligence and machine learning, you can solve that problem. And so how do I know? I have a massively expensive court case that was my own that I lived through for three and a half years. And I'm taking that and making something good out of it, trying to, and yeah. uh, as much as you can. And everything that we do, I'm really trying to do that. Yeah. Well, that's a, you know, if there's a, if there's an example of, of one thing building on another I, I mean, I can't think of a better one than the, than the life that you've just described for us, Mark. The family begins where you said on a hi- on a hill in Kentucky. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, side, of, <laughs> side of a mountain. Yeah, on the, on yeah. the side on the side Literally. of a mountain in Kentucky, and 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 you find yourself, you know, computer knowledge and and programming knowledge, and and you know, a football player turns businessman. Whatever, I don't even know. Turns philanthropist. Did I tell you I was almost on The Apprentice? Did I tell you I was almost on Jerry Springer? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, so by almost on it, I was number 17 out of 1.1 million people. I think that qualifies. Yeah. They took 16 for the show and I was number 17. Oh, good God. But I still could have been on because they said, we're going to start all the background checks and everything. And I just couldn't. We had just had our third round of failed infertility. I couldn't do it. I just, they said, the problem with doing it this way is your wife can't know anything. We're just going to call you one day and you're going to disappear for eight weeks. I was like, I can't do that to her. Uh, not, not right now. And um, not like that. 
and I just, and they were like, you're not going to be, I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Well, and, and who knows, who knows what, what you avoided. <laughs> who knows what I avoided. I know the guy who won it. I used, I was working out and he said he won it and he said it was terrible. <laughs> so, so this, I'm happy. So this show is about the little things that happen in your life that give you the break that create the opportunity there's a whole different set of stories about <laughs> opportunities that you might think are good that you pass on or that life sure mandates don't belong to you that you miss something that 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 you might have been worse off had you had you experienced All right. i have a i have a segment that's going to be coming up in one of the future episodes maybe we'll do it in this episode when when i put it all together it's called backward progress it's called when you think you have a setback, um, don't necessarily lose your mind emotionally sure. over that thing because you don't know what you missed out on. It's it, it's it's like you're late for work and you miss the car accident kind of, yeah, kind of exactly. thing, except on a much larger scope. Exactly. Something happens in your life that, that changes something. You know, there's a million of those variables and we focus here on the one that the one in a million that gives you the opportunity, but there's just as many in the other direction, right. isn't there? only got time for one segment in this episode because of the length of this interview, but the one segment I had to get in here is the one that was the most important because we talked about it in the pilot and we didn't know what it was going to become. It used to be called optimism and we talked about how much that name sucks. Well, I got a suggestion to change the name to not pessimism. It was close. The double negative thing was funny. It wasn't quite right. Did a little brainstorming and Ideas come when you do that. So we went with Never Don't Believe. It's landmark, it's groundbreaking, it's the brand new earth-shattering name that is gonna stick with this segment until the end of time, until I change my mind. But here we are talking about Never Don't Believe, and what does that mean? It means look at your situation and find the good in it. That's what optimism is. It's just a little more me. So today's segment of Never Don't Believe is gonna focus on that thing we called backward progress. That thing that seems like it kills your momentum. But remember, momentum can't be stopped that way. It's a thousand little pushes, and once it gets going, a push in the other direction doesn't just stop it. Something happens and you feel like you don't know what to do from there, and then all of a sudden you look back on it one day and realize you couldn't have got where you got without it. I'm gonna tell a quick story, and then we're gonna get back to Mark and finish off the interview in about two minutes of time before the end of this episode. The story is this, guys. You remember my dream of being a pilot? How that came true, how Mr. Piggott's letter and so many things had to go right? Well, I was an aircraft commander, a left-seater, in charge of the airplane for the first time in my life up in Anchorage, Alaska. There's radar sites all over Alaska, and we had to supply those. And you use the C-130 to get in there because not many planes can. And I was assigned a mission to go to Barter Island, Alaska. It's way above the Arctic Circle. I was thrilled to have it, and I went up there, and I pushed some limits to get in there and land because I wanted to say I'd been there. Well, that adventure got my wings taken away. We're going to tell this story during story time another time. I didn't break any rules, but I made somebody feel unsafe, and that somebody didn't tell me about it when I asked on the airplane. Instead, they told their supervisor about it when they got back. 
One thing led to another, and I was exonerated by a panel including the deputy... I'm sorry, the director of operations, the chief pilot, the chief navigator. I learned a lot during that process. I was humbled. I even got told that in wartime I might have been given a medal for what I did, but in a time when the same supplies could have been delivered a week later, I pushed too hard. I took that with me and made me a better pilot. The very next day, my squadron commander brought me into his office. I didn't even know he'd heard the story. But apparently the person who told on me didn't think that it was good enough that I got reviewed for my actions. He got told a version of the story that involved some pretty significant irresponsibility. And my squadron commander, without ever hearing my side of the story, put it in his mind, set his course to take my wings away. The wings that I dreamt of since I was 10. The authority to fly an airplane. Gone. Now guys, there's a whole story behind this. I told you about it before, but for the purpose of this segment, for the purpose of backward progress, here's what I want you to know. I got my wings back. And the job that proved to be the crowning jewel of my Air Force career required an interview process. At that interview, I was asked about losing my wings. I told the story that I will tell you in another episode. Telling that story helped the people in charge of the unit that I became a part of understand that not only did I know how to get things done, but I knew how to get things done outside the box. I knew how to get things done safely, even if limits needed to be pushed. And as it turned out, that event where I lost my wings for four months, and in those four months, it could have been a lifetime. I didn't know. But earning those wings back and getting to that interview two years later and being able to tell that story got me hired at the unit where I finished my Air Force career the last six years of my military life spent doing one of the most amazing jobs I could have ever dreamed of if I hadn't lost my wings if that story hadn't been there to tell if that flag in my record hadn't been there to motivate the asking of a question by an interview panel you know, it's again, it's one piece to the puzzle, but I don't know if I get the job. There were 200 people in a hotel interviewing for one of four jobs, and I got one of them, so I have to believe every single thing mattered. Guys, that's backward progress. That's heartbreak, absolute gut-wrenching despair, and a decision to keep going, a decision to believe. And then you tell a story and you get a job and you end up being able to do something that God made you for. Never lose hope, earthlings. Never don't believe. You got to learn from everything. Right. And so, and then you've, Try to figure out whoever you are in whatever position are you're in. How do you make something better? Even when you can't do something for yourself, because sometimes you're totally stuck and you're hemmed in. I've been there. Mm -hmm. Like in your, in, there's nothing that you can really do to change your current circumstances. It's just going to be how it is for a period of time. Best thing you can do is just not focus on you. Then, best thing you can do is try to find any way to take whatever pain, whatever that is, and turn it into good for someone. 
And yeah. now what I have the ability to do is totally different than what I would have had the ability to do before I didn't have employees and resources and all the rest. But when you do have that, it's a huge responsibility um, because, Absolutely. you know, again, going back to, you know, trying to live up to what my dad said, all those, it was for him, it was money, but you just call it resources. If it's people, some people are rich in relationships. Some people are rich in family. And, you know, so it doesn't matter like whatever it is that you're, uniquely gifted at you're passionate about. I think the key is to take who you are and where you are and push it forward, keeping obviously trying to be as successful as you can. But in those moments when you're super stuck, just take the focus off yourself and see who you can create value for. That's great advice. And there's, and there's a million byproducts that come from an attitude like that because you're never stopping because if you're stuck, the tendency would be to decide that there's no choice but to stop, right? Right. And instead of stopping, you start moving in the direction of, of, of what what else can be done while you're in the situation you're in. Yeah. And before you know it, another opportunity presents itself. Exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> and with that beautiful conclusion, we will say uh, thank you so much, Mark, yeah. for your time today. I appreciate you coming by. This has been a ton of fun. Um, I look forward to another conversation uh, soon uh, with you. Uh, I have questions that, <laughs> that, that I want to I want to delve into at another time, but we'll save that for then. Guys, uh, this has been Odd Man in the House, and that is a very odd man. I'm Matthew East. We'll see you next time. It's your turn, Earthlings. Call or email, and let's have some fun together with your Odd Man in story. 864-432-3379 oddmaninpodcast at gmail.com and of course subscribe bitches it can only get better